Hello, hello, Aisha Grove here, the host of the Encouraged Overcomer podcast. I just want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you showed up today. You are here and ready for this discussion, and I'm excited for you to walk away encouraged. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Encouraged Overcomer podcast. I'm your host, Aisha Grove, and I'm so excited today because we have a guest. His name is Stephen Barr, and I actually met Stephen not too long ago at a conference, and I got to hear him speak and share his story. And if you are a regular listener, then you know that this podcast is just encouragement um, for people who are just we're just living by grace through faith, right? We're just trying to make sure that we keep God first. And also we're just trying to stay encouraged in the Lord and continue on in what we're doing. Um, The reason I brought Stephen on today is because um, he's going to tell you about himself more. I'm sure I don't want to take away from his glory, but um, he, you know, Stephen is the founder of the cast member church. And um, they serve the Disney cast members. Um, And so all over the world, um, not just here in the U.S. And um, his story, um, I got to listen to some of what he shared at the conference. And it just, it inspired me as a Christian. And so it just, I'm hoping that you will listen to the story. And if you are at home or you're in your car driving, you're listening to this, I want you to be inspired because you may have something on your heart that God told you that, hey, I want you to do this. And it doesn't have to be starting a ministry or a church. It could be a business or it's something inside that you're like, man, I know I should do this. And maybe you've attempted it in the past and it didn't go as planned. And you thought that just isn't for me, I guess. And sometimes the way that we think things should go (laughs) um, isn't necessarily what God has in mind. And it doesn't mean that what we had on our heart was wrong. Um, It just means that we have to shift. So I'm looking forward to hearing Stephen's story with you all. And um, I'll be asking some questions along the way. But Stephen, I am so glad that you're here. I'm glad that I made a friend in you. And I am so just encouraged just being in your presence. So um, please let our audience know about yourself and then um, whichever story you want to share, however you feel led, um, feel free to do so. Thanks. Well, with that kind of a buildup, I think I should just walk out now because my <laughs> head is like, my head is just too big to, to fit into the room. You've, you've been so kind. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it, uh, Aisha, it was a joy to meet you as well. And, uh, you know, when you, you connect with certain people and that are encouragers and it's just, you put two encouragers together and it's like this, uh, uh, combustion that takes place and there's just all this encouragement in the room and and I just want to uh, tell you how much I appreciate you as well so it's a real delight to be here but uh, wow Um, to start with my story um, there's so much I could cover but I think uh, the fact of the matter is I've I've uh, I've been following Jesus since 1979 I grew up in a Christian home went to why should you call it a church going home how's that a church going home (laughs) And, uh, but decided, but came to, um, the realization that I needed Jesus at when I was, uh, oh goodness. Uh, I think I was a junior in high school or something like that. And, um, and so was following him. Uh, but I, I my, my passion was music. I wanted to, um, I went to, I graduated from college the same year I graduated from high school, long story, (laughs) but uh, but I went to a, I went to a special music school and that gave me my college degree at the same time. And, uh, which I don't recommend, but, um, in any case, uh, uh, the Lord had gifted me in music as a, as a, an arranger and a writer and a, and producer and all. And I really wanted to go into music and, and just kind of be, um, well, I wanted to be famous. I wanted to be rich and famous and I wanted to use my talents for that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. uh, and I pursued it for quite a while and had, um, a lot, a, a considerable amount of success behind the scenes. Um, uh, I played for a lot of different people and all, but, 
there were people in my life that were saying, wow, you know, it'd be wonderful if you could somehow use these gifts to, to glorify the Lord. And, and I, and I, I kind of thought, well, I am, but I'm just doing it in a different way. But, you know, but there was that tension that I was living between and, and uh, you, know, you get enough people starting to tell you something, you start to believe it. And which, which if it's, if it's good stuff, that's great. But if it's not from the Lord and it, it can be a little dangerous, but in any case, um, I found myself at a point where I really did not want, I saw the darker side of, of the music business that I was in. Um, and just, I, I always avoided all of that, but, you know, just being around it after a while, it's like, you know, you just feel like you have to take an extra shower a day just to kind of get that, get that ick off of you. And so I decided, uh, yeah, I would, uh, I wanted to use my gifts for the Lord in a, in a more focused, uh, manner. And so I became a, I became a worship pastor before that term even existed, you know, back then, yeah, back then it was like, uh, the music director or something like that. They didn't know what to do with, you know, it was that time of contemporary Christian music was just starting to happen. And, um, people didn't know what to do with, with all of that. And I came in right in the middle of all of that. I didn't even know what a worship pastor was. I had, I had no idea. No one had done it really. And, um, so, um, so I served in a church in Columbus, Ohio, and, uh, uh, did everything from leading choirs to, uh, to really stepping into a, a worship leading role and working with the band. But I discovered this real passion for the presence of God. And, uh, uh, it was, um, there was just something that I experienced more and more. I think it, when you start to experience the presence of God, you hunger for more and you hunger for more and, um, which is a good place to be, to be honest. And, um, so I was doing that and some wonderful things happened during that time. One of them was I met my wife who was, who was from the South of Mexico. I met her. This is funny. I met her on a short-term mission trip. And, uh, so, so there's a, there's a commercial for short time missions, you know, short term missions. Uh, but in any case, um, I met her in Mexico and, uh, we ended up, uh, getting engaged and she ended up moving to the United States on a fiance visa and we got married and, and, uh, and my weird, the funny thing is, is my wife didn't speak any English at the time. And I didn't speak very much Spanish at the time. So it was one of those true love. (laughs) It was, it was. And, uh, and I have to tell you, she took a huge step of faith, marrying me, leaving her, her family, her, her culture, her language, everything that was familiar to her and to move from the South of Mexico, Oaxaca, Mexico is what it was. And, uh, to moving to Columbus, Ohio, <laughs> was wow. just, that was culture shock for her. Abs- uh, you know, uh, a terrible culture shock really. Yeah. And, um, but in the midst of all of that, um, I discovered a passion for her culture and her language. And I ended up, uh, leading worship in Spanish worship services and starting to the more I, I could lead worship in Spanish before I could speak it because, you know, you can, well, you can, you know, there's just certain things you can say leading worship, you know, and it's, you know, you learn those and it, it's, uh, it's, uh, you're able to communicate, but, but I ended up becoming, uh, I started writing praise and worship in Spanish and the Lord opened up doors that I never imagined. And I ended up being a, a writer and producer for, um, uh, a guy by the name of Marcos Witt, who is, uh, I would describe him as the Chris Tomlin of the, of the Spanish speaking world. And I ended up working for his, his record label, as well as being a professor of worship theology for his worship leader training school in Durango, Mexico. And so, um, so that was kind of my first really out of the box experience. I mean, I'm, I'm, I was now living in Mexico and, and, uh, and we arrived in Mexico. Um, I remember it so clearly because the, my first day on the job was nine 11. Wow. And, and so I literally our all of our furniture was still in the United States when we had moved to Mexico. And of course the borders shut down and everything when the towers fell and, and all it was, um, it was a, my, my first introduction to the worship leader training school was they had me address the student body. And I had to tell them that the United States had just been attacked. And uh, it, which was, uh, which was an incredible thing because I I was in a room full of young people from all over the world who began to weep and pray for my country. And that was a powerful, a powerful thing that I never experienced. They took on my pain 
And um, so that was that was wonderful. So I, I spent years in, in Spanish ministry, ended up coming back to the United States and um, uh, what lived in San Antonio, Texas. It was a good compromise for my wife and I, <laughs> because, you know, San Antonio is it's it's got the uh, it's got a, it's close enough to Mexico that it's got all the 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 culture and the food and and the people the uh, everything wonderful about Mexico and uh, and yet it was Texas so you know it had <laughs> had a little bit of, of my culture so it was a great mix and that's where we were basically we you know our 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 children were born and uh, uh, that was a I was settled into a, a church leading worship and I was quite comfortable which is a very, <laughs> it's always, you, you have to be careful when you say I was comfortable because oh, yeah. the Lord is, yeah, the Lord is like, uh, oh, I was waiting for that. And um, signal so, for him to move. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And the thing was, I was, I was turning, I was getting close to 50 years old. And I don't know, uh, you have a long way to go for that, Aisha, but when you, get to, <laughs> when, you, when, you when you hit 50, you start to realize the odds of me living to 100 <laughs> Are, are not in my favor. And you realize that your life is more than half over. Um, not, not to depress anyone who's listening to this, that that's in that age, but you just start thinking about the future. You start thinking, what, what do I want to do? What do I want to kind of impact do I want to have? And, and I had loved music. Music had been so good to me. The Lord had been done many wonderful things uh, with music, but I, I have to say that I was beginning to become bored as a worship leader. And I'll tell you why I, I, and it's not a criticism. It was, I think it was something the Lord was doing in me as well as observing some things, but I started seeing the same people Sunday after Sunday, sitting in the same places every Sunday and going out and not being any different mm. and, and coming back and not being any different. And I realized something just isn't right here. And I don't know if I'm part of the problem. And I, I don't know if I was part of the problem or not, but I knew that I was in a, something that was not flourishing. It was, it wasn't vibrant. Like I, like so much of what I experienced in, in the years past. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, maybe I've just gotten to the, because, you know, I've reached the age where I need to reevaluate what my calling is. So um, I was a, uh, approached by uh, someone in our denomination wanted to know if I wanted to plant a church, if I'd be interested in planting a church. And um, I'd done it long enough that I, I had done been in ministry long enough. I thought, but yeah, I would actually really enjoy that because I thought here's my chance to really lead something different. So we were going to plant a church in San Antonio in the, the art district of San Antonio, a very uh, eclectic community, you know, lots of coffee houses and, and interesting people and artists and poets and everything that goes with that. And uh, I was really excited about it. We even met our church. We started our a church in an art museum, which meant on Sundays, there were certain things we had to cover up. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there was a <laughs> There were just certain sculptures that you're going, yeah, that's probably not something that, you know, we don't want kids having to be looking at certain things. So, but in any case, we got that started and that was going really well. We had a great launch. We had a great, and again, there was this something in me. It wasn't boredom this time, but it was um, something that just wasn't right. I, I felt like I was doing what God wanted me to do, but I felt like he had more. Mm. And um and so I just kind of let, you know, sometimes you just have to let that sit there with you. You just have to kind of wrestle with it on your own. Um, my wife, Lucia, knew that something wasn't right, but I just, so th there was just something uh, that I, I felt like a, a missing puzzle piece. And one day I'm in a Panera Bread, uh, which is where, you know, a lot of church leaders like to hang out. And uh, oh, yeah. we're having, a, we're having, a, I'm having a meeting with, uh, we were still a church plant. So I had a group of leaders that were, pastors from other churches and uh they were kind of like my board so to speak and they were there to kind of help me not to uh tell me what to do but just to make sure i didn't do something stupid <laughs> and uh <laughs> so so i had all this wisdom around me around the table and we would meet every week and one of them said stephen why aren't you doing this at disney now now let me tell you why that was uh, that was like something that just blew up in my mind uh back when I was still in secular music, when I was still working in, in, in music, I spent a year working at Walt Disney World. 
And I was a keyboard player in front of the in front of Cinderella Castle, playing for a group that sang and danced and you know zippity doo dah and all that. <laughs> stuff. And um, I remember as I was playing, we did five shows a day in the some in the Florida heat. And um, uh, but I remember one time looking down Main Street USA is what that's called uh, if you're at the castle and you look back towards the train station where people come in. And I remember looking out. And my, my mind was wandering because when you do five shows a day, the same songs five times a day, you can actually do your grocery list while you're doing the show. You can be thinking about lots of other things. And I remember looking at the train station and I thought there should be a church here because there isn't, I, I can't go to a church, a normal church. I, I work all the time here at Disney. There's no kind of community for me to connect with. That was a passing thought, Aisha. That, that was just it just, you know, it was one of those ADD moments, many of thousands that I've had. But when my friend um, said, why aren't you doing this at Disney? The Lord brought that thought back to my head. I was right back on Main Street again, looking down. And I realized that that was not a passing thought, wow. but, but a revelation that the Lord wanted to do something there. So um, it took some convincing of my wife who loves San Antonio, Texas to, to move to central Florida. It took a year um, and real quick little 30 second story on that is um, Lucy did not want to go. She did not want to go. And uh, the wonderful thing about my wife, one of the many wonderful things about my wife is she is a prayer warrior. I mean, if you want somebody praying for you, it, you want my wife because she takes prayer. I, I think she's just got a you know, uh, she's just one of those people that she can be on her knees for hours. Um, for me, it's three minutes and then my mind's wandering somewhere, but she's just focused on that. Well, one day uh, there was a, a week where she was, she got quiet and we were just, you know, I was doing, we were doing life normally, but she got kind of strangely quiet. And, and I know, I know that when she gets quiet, you know, not to really probe too much, just kind of let her process and, you know, um, and I came home from taking the kids to school one day and she was still in the bedroom. Her, she was in, in bed, her knees were pulled up to her chest and her eyes were swollen and red. And I thought my first thought was, what have I done? <laughs> I thought I've done something. I don't know what I did. I'm in I trouble wanted, now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm replaying the day that, you know, the week, what's, what's happened, you know? And then she looked at me and she said, well, I don't know if you know it or not, honey, but uh, I've been really wrestling with this, this idea of doing a ministry at Disney. And, um, uh, and I said, yeah, I, I, I know you have. And she said, well, she said, I've been wrestling with the Lord. And this morning he told me he wants me to go to Disney wow. and that I have no idea what he's going to do through me there. And she said, so I'm, I'm ready to go to Disney. And she, and she, and I, and I smile and she looks at me and she goes, but I'm not happy about it, <laughs> which I loved her honesty. I mean, you know, if I, yeah. if we could all be that honest with the Lord, it's like, I will do what you want. I'm not happy about it, but I'll, I will do it. And yeah. uh, so we did. So we moved to Orlando. Um, we broke every church planting rule in the book, um, all the training that I had, we didn't do, we didn't have the funding, we didn't have a team, we didn't, uh, all I had was a strategy. And I was really proud of the strategy because it was, it was a book binder about two inches thick of all the things, how we were going to function. And we were going to do a really wonderful church that was going to uh, have all of the spiritual pixie dust, if you will, you know, that would, it would be a perfect church for Disney. And, and I, I mean, I had it planned down to, I mean, the detail was ridiculous how far I had gone and we hadn't been there two weeks, Aisha. And uh, it was as if the Lord took that binder out of my hands and just dropped it in the trash can and said, no, I'm not going to do that. And, and I, because Disney had changed since I had been there, that was, I was there in 91 and this was, uh, well, this was 11 years ago. So, um, so it was a lot, <laughs> a lot more time had passed. And, um, I was, I was heartbroken because, uh, I realized everything that I had planned would not work. Um, I was going to do this attractional 
really great worship kind of environment and very appealing to people. And, and one thing I learned very quickly is you cannot out Disney Disney. You just can't, it's, it's just not possible because these are the people behind the curtain. These are the people who know all the tricks and all that you can't impress them. So, and, and you can't impress. And what I've learned is you can't impress someone into the kingdom of God. You can't, that's, that's not how it works. It's actually, it's the opposite. I'll get to that. But in any case, um, I was heartbroken and I, I was beginning to question, I've moved my family here. My daughter's crying every night because she wants to go back to San Antonio. It was, it was a disaster. And I was questioning everything. And I remember I went to magic kingdom and I was walking down main street where that little revelation had taken place decades earlier. And, and I don't, I cannot describe to you exactly what happened, but um, it was as if it was a busy, you know, lots of, you have cast members working and, and you have guests in the park, guests are anyone who's going to the park that day. So all the, all the people that were there uh, visiting Disney that day. And it, I remember just, it was, it was just noise, all this noise. And I just remember saying, God, I will do whatever you want. I I'm, I'm desperate. I don't know what else to do, but you tell me and I'll do it, which by the way, is probably one, the most dangerous prayer you can pray. And two, the most delightful prayer God can hear. <laughs> That's when Absolutely. you say, I give up, Surrender. I give up. Yeah. I give up. I'll do it. And, and it was as if, and I, I don't, I don't want to call it a vision. I honestly don't know what happened, but for some reason it seemed to me as all of the guests in the park disappeared and all I could see were the people working there and they didn't have the pixie dust smiles. They didn't have the Disney magical. I could see their faces as, as almost like the secret things in their heart. I saw pain. I saw shame. I saw hurt. I saw anger. And, and it was as if God had pulled back the curtain for a split second as to what he really sees in people's lives. And Aisha, it was more than I, it was more than I could take. It was, I mean, I couldn't handle it. I could, it was, I had to find a place to sit down. It was, wow. it was the weight of, of the pain that I saw and felt. Um, I couldn't process it. I, and I thought I was going to pass out, to be honest with you. And I, I finally sat down and closed my eyes and I just felt, I, I didn't hear a voice, but I felt the Lord say, they are why I've brought you here. Amen. And, and if you're good, if you're going to do this, you're going to do it my way. And so I knew at that point in time that whatever God wanted, I will do. And so I start, we, Lucy, and I began praying around open hands, open hands, Lord, we're, we're, we're going to, whatever you want us to do. And the Lord began to reveal to us, you know, there's a lot of things that Disney offers, but we were asked, he was asking us, what does Disney, what, do, what can we offer that Disney can't? Mm -hmm. And we, we really began to pray about it. And we realized we can offer real relationship. We can offer um, something that's not magical, something that's not a, an illusion, something that's not escape. We can be real and we can start investing in people's lives. Now, I'm going to be real honest at this point. Well, I've been honest up to this point. I'm not, I haven't been lying up to this point, but, I, but at this point, I'll be just a, a little more open and say that I was terrible at doing relationship. I was, a, I was a musician. So it was task, you know, get the songs ready, get the, you know, I was very task oriented, strategic. I could tell people what to do. And that was the way I operated. And now I would never know that knowing you now. Never. Oh my gosh. Never. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, I would, I looking back at the person I was, uh, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't like hanging around me very much. And, uh, and I'm, I'm embarrassed a little bit to look back, but the Lord has redeemed all of that. And so it's, you know, it's, you just kind of move forward, but, but I was, um, I, I, I realized I'm going to have to learn how to do relationship. And that's how cast member church was born. We started our, our, our church became our dinner table, our dinner table became our church. And we started having dinner 
um, with different cast members. Lucy got a job at Disney and and just working the front line, which is you know merchandise, you know working the front line. And she was working in Epcot and she would invite people over to our house for dinner. And of course we didn't like try to, you know, hit them all of a sudden with, with church stuff and all that. We just wanted to learn their stories. You know, we just wanted to give them a safe place where they could talk about life and, and, and all. And uh, since then, that's been, a, that's been 11 years ago. Uh, we did the math. We've had, I think close to 17, 1800 people that have sat at our dinner table and have, have encountered Jesus in some way, shape or form. And we realized that the most sacred space in all of cast member church, which is now on six continents and it's all over the world is the dinner table, the dinner table. There's something so powerful, but I had to learn how to do all of it from ground zero. And I realized, you know, the Lord does use our strengths. I mean, he gives us gifts. He does give us talents and he wants us to use those. But it's actually our dependence that he needs most. Um, I can say, Lord, I can give you this. Uh, you know, I, I, I can, there's certain things I can do. And this is, this sounds really crass to say it, but there are certain things I can do where I don't need Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 it's, I don't, but, but, but that's not how I'm designed to live my life. I'm designed to be totally dependent upon him. And right. I realized he chose the weak areas of my life. Not the areas that I was good at. He chose the areas that's like, you're really bad at this, Steve. And you're really bad at this, Steve. That's what I'm going to use. And I'm like, but I don't know how to do that. And the Lord's like, well, just start. Just start. So I learned to listen. I learned, I heard stories. Oh, Aisha, of young people, most of them, I think the oldest person in our church is 32 years old. So it's, it's uh, I'm the grandpa of the church, to be honest with you. Um, but um, these stories that would break your heart. I mean, people wrestling everything with from from their sexual identities to to abuse in their lives, to betrayals, to um, running away. They're working at Disney, but they're actually they've run away from home and they're hiding and they're all, people escaping abuse situations. Just it, I mean, I, the amount of tears that have fallen on that dinner table are priceless. I mean, that, that table is saturated in tears. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to shed some now <laughs> if I'm not careful. Um, but that's where Jesus met people. And over the last 11 years, we just started building something. Well, Jesus started building something. And all we did was become friends with people treat them as our family, embrace them as our family, and simply introduce them to our friend Jesus, wow. you know, and not as a, not as a being out there, but as someone who sits at our table with us and is there invested in our lives. And so cast member church started at Walt Disney world. Um, and now it's in all the Disney park locations, which is of course, Orlando, Anaheim, Paris, Tokyo, Hong Kong, and Shanghai. And so, and then there's cast members that are scattered that have left Disney, but are still with us in other parts of the world, Italy, Germany, and Australia and places like that. But the entire church has been formed based on relationship, nothing, nothing, um, no marketing, no, nothing. Um, uh, it, it's just what do we call it? The sacred work of relationship. Um, which is really important to us. Uh, anytime I have it, you know, just sitting here chatting with you, um, this is sacred. This is sacred. And the Lord is, you know, is present. If I'm talking to, when I go to my grocery store, I know all the people who check out my groceries. I've, I've, I've learned, of course they wear name tags, which makes it better, but, you know, but I, um, I know them and I know what's going on in their lives. And it's not that I sit, I, I, I'm not bragging, but I just, when I go through a line, I'm asking them, how are they doing? And every time I see them, I, I learn a little more and I learn a little more. And I realize that's sacred because Jesus lives in me, which means every encounter that I have is a sacred opportunity, regardless of who it is, regardless of how short the conversation is. There is an opportunity for Jesus to do something through me. And that's what we've learned as Cast Member Church. All of the people that are part of Cast Member Church 95% of them had never touched a Bible 
in their lives before encountering us. So, so what's, what this church is doing is these are people who have gone from death to life and they are living out the gospel through relationship where they work. And so that's, that's kind of the, the long story version of it. So, uh, um, I've gone long enough. I'll take a breath and you can. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I got so many nuggets about what you said. Hmm. Um, Steven, I just, I love, especially how you just, um, mentioned that you have strengths of your own that, you know, God gave you and, mm-hmm. And if you just went by those strengths alone, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be where you are today, right? No. And no. and then it just took me back to where like we have to come to a place, and it's sad that this happens, but sometimes we have to like get to our breaking point where we realize that that strength that we have is not enough, and mm-hmm. and truly we have to have God, we have to have mm-hmm. Jesus, we have to have his presence like shining mm-hmm. through us to make mm-hmm. impact and yeah. um with churches a lot of times what you see is so often the church tries to you know bring people to the church and change them and mm-hmm. it's just it it builds resentment there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who are just they they hear the word church and mm-hmm. it's almost like a bad word now oh, yeah oh that's so like, true and you think of church you think of religion you think of rules, you think mm-hmm. of standards, you mm-hmm. think of checklists going mm-hmm. outside of those standards. And like, you think of how it makes you look or appear to other people and even God, mm-hmm. and it puts mm-hmm. a ball there. And so mm-hmm. the fact that you went deep into relationships, um, is exactly what it's just, it's a picture of what Jesus did when he was here on this yeah. earth. He, yep. he opened his table to anyone. Mm-hmm. It was like, there's room for you here. And mm-hmm. people were like, what is, what is happening? Because that <laughs> who, who is this guy? <laughs> that wasn't what everybody else was doing. So right. um, it brought me to a question because mm-hmm. hearing you talk about the many different just situations that came across your table where you were just like, oh my goodness, like, wow, I'm, you're ministering to these people, mm-hmm. to people. Um, mm-hmm. what is, is, what is one story maybe that you're like, I didn't think at the start of this, that I would ever make an impact <laughs> in this person's life or that oh we my would gosh. ever become friends from this, oh. but actually it turned out in a positive way. I'm yeah. sure we'll have that question. Well, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll give you two stories. Uh, one is it one's easier, and um, and one of them is a little more um, probably a little more controversial. But um, the easy one was, uh, and this happens all the time when people ask me, um, "What is?" Uh, or, or no, they, say, they 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 don't ask. They say, "Well, I I don't believe in Jesus," mm. and you know, and my temptation. I have to tell you, my temptation is to defend and to you know, it's like that part of me is like, uh but I've learned that it's better to ask questions. And so if they say they don't believe in Jesus, what I like to add, what I I'll do this and I'll say, tell me about the Jesus you don't believe in. Mm-hmm. And what they, and when they begin to tell me about the Jesus they believe in describing him as judgmental and hates certain groups of people and that, you know, all these different things. And, and I'm going, well, I wouldn't believe in that Jesus either. <laughs> You know, so so what they're, yeah. they're basing it on their experiences with Christians, you know, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not even, that's not a, an indictment as much as it is. It's just an observation that this is the way the world perceives us and they see it as hippo, us as hypocrites and, and all of these things. And so when, but when they start to tell me that I realize, oh my gosh, no, that's not who he is. That is not who he is. So, so to validate their disbelief or their unbelief to validate that actually is more important than to try to defend, to, to, to immediately try to argue. Um, because when was the last time someone argued you into a different way of thinking? It just, that's just not, the debate doesn't work. Social media has proven that, yeah. um, you know, and so, so the idea is to tell me more, tell me more because the, what you'll discover is there's woundedness. There's woundedness behind such a such a uh, 
harsh response. I, I don't, I don't believe in Jesus or I don't believe in that blankety blank or, you know, I've heard it all. And, and I, what I've learned is Jesus is a big boy. He can, he, he has, he's not offended by that. And all. so, but Jesus would sit there and say, well, tell me, tell me more about why you're, you're in, you know, you feel this way. And what happens is you start to develop compassion and it's, and I, I believe it's supernatural. I believe that, that, and you begin to feel what Jesus feels for this person. Mm -hmm. And so you validate, I, I understand why you've come to that conclusion. And I just want you to know, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry for the hurt that you've experienced from other Christians. I'm really sorry. Um, you know what? There are times I don't act like Jesus. I just want you to know there are times when we're, we're not Christians aren't perfect. And I know sometimes we make, we want to make people think we are, but we're not. In fact, the Bible tells us that that is not the way to live our lives. And um, so, so that's, that's one instance where that's, that's happened many, many times at the table. And, and I've had, you know, I would say the majority have been a very positive response to that. Like, wow, I didn't expect you to say that, or I didn't expect you to, um, doesn't mean they change their minds and they repent and come to Jesus right there at the moment, you know, right. but it's, but it's, it's in, in a sense, it just creates, um, it, it takes us back to ground zero. I know it's no longer damage control. It's like, okay, now we have a, now we're on the same plane. Now we can have, and they respect, I think that's one of the things to, we want people who are skeptical, lots of people at my table have, are skeptical, have sat there. And if we want to move people from skepticism to belief, that's, that's a leap that people can't make. We have to have the credibility. We have to earn credibility for them to be able to want to hear what we have to say. There are things that we need to do, and that takes time. Relationship takes time. And so there have been people I've been investing in for six, seven, eight years, and, and they're still moving toward Jesus, but they're moving at what I call the pace of grace. You know, it's, it's, the, it, it, it's fine. I'm not in a rush, and uh, the Lord knows. So that's kind of one of, the, one of the examples that we've had at our table. We've had a lot of people who have wrestled with sexual, that are, that are wrestling with sexual identity. And one of the things that I have learned, and, um, you know, uh, I'm a, you know, I believe the Bible, you know, everything that the Bible says about sexuality and all. Um, but one of the things that I looked at when I, the more I, I get to know Jesus and the more I read the word about, you know, who he is and what he says, we, I believe that Jesus is more interested and I'll, and, I, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain all of this is more interested in heart transformation than behavior modification. And here's what I mean by that. You can't behave your way into the kingdom of God. Wow. You, it's what you, you need a heart transplant. And so what happens is I see people who are wrestling with, with their sexuality and uh, whether they're, you know, they're wrestling with it or, or forcing it or whatever, you know, whatever it is. But the idea is, is they're talking about a behavior and Jesus is talking about something much deeper because our behaviors are impacted by our heart, not the other way. You know, it's, 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 I can't, you know, you and I both know we can try to be good. We can try. And the more we try to be good, the worse it gets <laughs> worse and worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But when, when we discover that we don't have to earn God's grace, we don't have to earn that, that we actually can live out of that. Now I want to live my life differently, not because I'm earning God's love, but because I already have it. And so, so the idea of sitting at a table and saying, you know what, and, and, you know, some of your, your listeners might go, whoa, but what I've said is like, you know what, I'm not as interested in your sexual identity as I am about Jesus and what Jesus wants to do in your heart, because see, Jesus does all that stuff. I can't. Amen. So, so I'm, I kind of buy, I think a lot of that is, um, you know, kind of, uh, defense that people get defensive and they put things up and all that. I understand it. I've done that in my life with other things and, you know, uh, to kind of keep people out of my business. <laughs> and, uh, but the idea is Jesus goes right around that. So no, 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 no. I want, I, I, I'm, I want to look at the inside of the cup, not the outside. 
I'm more concerned about, you know, Christians are good at, as Jesus said, cleaning the outside of the cup, but, but it's the inside that that's so dirty. Well, that's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to go for the heart. He wants to, he wants to validate them as the, as the people that, that he designed them to be. And so I don't even spend time on that. And I, but now I will say it's taken years of, of practice, trial and error to learn how to have those conversations, but oh my gosh, I have had, I've seen the Lord do miracles, wow. miracles. And it's not because of anything that I've convinced somebody what the Bible says. It's introducing them to my friend, Jesus and revealing to them who Jesus says they are. And then they get to live out of that grace, out of that mercy, out of all that fountain of never, never ending um, knowledge that you, that, that the Lord is satisfied with you. He loves you. And, and so I've seen lives changed that way from the inside out, from the inside out. And so those are that, that you know, those are a couple extremes that, that uh, we've experienced and a lot of other stuff. I mean, the just abuse and, and just hard people, just people that are really hard because life has treated them poorly. And, and, but I've discovered that everyone has a story and no matter what a person's perspective is, if you take the time to say, tell me why, tell me, tell me how you came to that conclusion. It's the most fascinating story you'll hear. And you'll, you will, that compassion, that Jesus compassion will start to rise up. And when a person senses compassion from you, it, it's, they begin to trust you, yeah. especially when, especially I, I've noticed that when you have compassion on somebody, you're much more willing to be open with your own vulnerabilities. So and, true. and you're able to say, it's, it's like, it's like, I noticed this, um, uh, I, I saw two women who were both, this was a just strange moment, but it was, it was beautiful. Two women saw each other in my grocery store and both were going through chemo because you could tell that they, you know, they, they were, they were chemo, but they didn't know each other. And they, they started talking to each other and there was an immediate, I mean, they were hugging within like the first 30 seconds and they were, they were crying and they were talking. And I thought, wow, it is their brokenness that brought them together, that binds them. And so often we think it's our strength. We think it's our, that's what's going to be. And, and I've discovered from my experience, no, 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 no. Jesus wants to take the icky stuff in my life. And that's what he wants to use. And that's what connects with other people's icky stuff <laughs> that, in a sense. And that, that, that again, makes it how beautiful it is that we're all broken. We're all, we're all in God's eyes. We're beautiful messes. And, and he takes that and we look at it and go, Ooh, I kind of want to hide that. You know, that's not what I really want people to know about. And God's like going, no, that's what gives me glory. It's the cracks. It's the cracks in your life that my light shines through. And, and so I think the greatest value that we can bring to other people's lives is of course is Jesus, but we do that through our brokenness and those conversations around our dinner table and, and all the dinner tables around the world in our church. Um, that's where it happens. That's where, um, that's where the grace flows. Amen. I love that. And I love, there's this quote that is, um, people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. <laughs> that's so true. Um, and that's it's, so true. <laughs> and it's yeah. that connection. It's like stories connect people and yeah when you realize that you're like not going through this life alone, that mm -hmm. there's someone mm -hmm. else who there's that understanding. Um, mm -hmm. and maybe, you know, no one will ever understand what specifically you are going through, you know, because right. we each experience things in a different way. Right. But that commonality, like mm -hmm. I've been through this and yeah. you're feeling like you're just on an Island by yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you, mm -hmm. somebody else shares your, their story. And then that mm -hmm. also helps you to like share what you have going on. Mm -hmm. um, because they say like, when you, when you keep your story, when you, you don't share the ugly things that are going on or the things that made you to feel defeated or broken, mm -hmm. um, that's when darkness creeps in. Right. But then when you are, you open your mouth to speak and to say, this is what I've gone through. And this is, mm -hmm. you know, my process, this is what, you know, Jesus brought me out of. It brings light and not mm -hmm. in just to your life, but to others. And, mm -hmm. um, and that is a huge, um, 
it's a, it's a blessing. It really is. Um, and I, I love that Stephen, because, um, and you had mentioned a little bit about your background, um, mm-hmm. you know, what you've been taught about, like from either seminary school or whatever mm-hmm. it case was. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, I, I've been through that, you know, I mm-hmm. went through Bible college and things like mm-hmm. that. And we were trained, we were trained, like, <laughs> You're going to yeah. go out to people are going to say, if you were to die today, would you yeah. go? To oh, I know. Yes. You yes. Had to, you know, yeah. like door knocking every weekend and, and getting people yeah. on the bus to church. And it's just like, <laughs> you're just in this mode where you start to accept that as reality. Yeah. yeah. The truth is that it's, it's not life. It's Mm-mm. not, no. it's not every day. And so well, the fact that you brought that up, just yeah. it really hit home for me. So Yeah. I think what happens, Aisha, is we're all, and it's, this is kind of an American thing because I, because our church is now all over the world, our church is very multicultural, multilingual, multi everything. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a, well, it's a beautiful mess. (laughs) So, uh, uh, but one of the things I've learned that's a kind of an American thing Mm. is that um, we want things fast. We want, uh, we want it neat. We want it clean and we want it fast. Uh, you know, we we invented uh, we invented fast food. We invented the drive-through window. You know, we invented American an American invented the escalator. You know, um, and if you go look at church history, uh, the modern-day altar call started in the United States. The idea of you know wow. you know all of that. Now I'm not saying that an altar call is bad, uh, but right. but the idea of and then of. Yeah. But also the idea of, of everything on Sunday, every, one hour on Sunday or two hours on Sunday, whatever, you know, whatever. Um, but you, it, it, we want things condensed because we, we're so busy. We got, we have things to do and we love the destination. We want to get there. How, you know, you know, how much longer, how soon will we get there? You, we're just like that. We're, you know, we're, we're doing this and we're thinking about the next thing that we've got already and all. And Jesus is going, whoa whoa <laughs> and that it we love the de- destination jesus loves the journey because he's already at the destination so he's he wants us to enjoy the journey because it's in the journey that if we if we are focused on the destination we will not experience or see the micro miracles that happen every day as he lives through us in those little conversations at the grocery store in that quick phone call that you have. And, and where you may go, oh, I just checked in to see how somebody was doing not, no big deal, but you know, you get to heaven, Jesus goes, you know, that phone call that, that saved their life or, you know, what have you, we, we, we're not, we don't get to participate in that stuff or at least be witnesses to it. And so I think, we need to learn how to be present again. And that's hard because everything around us screams, go, 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 go. And, and you know, the, the phone that we all hold in our hands is always keeping us thinking about the next thing. I'm as guilty as anybody. Um, but I think there is a point where relationship and being vulnerable takes time and, and, you know, I, I, I would hate for Jesus to go, okay, Stephen, you've got, uh, you got 25 minutes. I'm going to have to go on to the, you know, the next thing. Mm-hmm. He would never say that. He would never say that. <laughs> and I think we, if, when we learn to, to surrender ourselves to him, yes, I do have a calendar. Yes, I do have things that I need to do, but Jesus, you have my calendar. You have, you, you own my day. So feel free to make the changes, Lord, that you need to make. And I have found so much more joy in those kinds of things. And it's, it's really hard for the church to step out of that, of the, and I don't, I, I, I don't know how to use this other than the word package, the package that we present, stepping outside of the package and realizing that church, what happens in the church, everything that goes on in, on Sunday or Wednesday night or whatever, whatever happens there doesn't matter if it's not happening out there. And this is, this is my, my passion. And, and that is every person who's listening to this podcast, 
God has given a purpose, a, a, a purpose, a kingdom purpose Mm -hmm. that they, they have all that they need. They, you know, it's, it's, it's like, well, if I just had more money or if I just had a different job, or if I just had, and God's like going, you've got me, (laughs) you've got me. And there are people, there are people that have dreams. They have dreams and they, they, they want to, it's like, oh, if I, I would wish I could just do this if I, you know, and I'm, and I just want to say, do, take the first step, take the first step. That's all God is asking you to do. He's not asking you to, to, to you know, go running like crazy into the unknown. Take the next step. Just ask yourself, what would I need to do today to move closer to that dream that I believe God has given me? What could I do today? Um, I need to make a phone call. I need to ask a question. I need to talk to somebody who knows a little bit more about this. I just do that. And God is going to reveal the next step. And then the next step. And then the next, and before you know it, you're looking back and you're going, how did I get here? How did I get here? And I believe if the people of God, if the kingdom understood who they were and who they served, and all of the power and presence that goes with that, we'd be, we'd be changing this world 10 times over because that's, that's who we serve. My, you know, my favorite Bible verse, you know, it's funny. um, We were talking about that. My favorite Bible verse is Ephesians 3.20 to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine what, according to his power that is at work within us. And so the thing is, is like, what do you imagine? What, what, what do you, what could you imagine God doing through you? God's going, I can do more than that. I can do it. And, but we've, we've got to, we've got to believe him. We've got to believe him and say, you know what? I'm going to go for it, but I'm going to, I'll just, I'll take one step. You know, I'm I'm not, like I said, I'm not telling people sell the house and, you know, you know, I'm I'm just, I'm, I'm saying that it, that, that might, that might be something he ends up asking. We don't know, but take one step. That's all he's asking. Just take one step. And I believe that people will start stepping into a kingdom adventure that surpasses any Disney movie, that surpasses any kind of of adventure that they've dreamed or read about. And he'll invite them into something where not only is it an adventure here, it's eternal. It has an eternal consequence and it rings throughout eternity. And, and that is my passion is to see everyday people. I don't say normal. I don't ever use the word normal people because I don't believe any, there's no such thing as normal there. I haven't met true. a normal person yet. So true. Yeah. I have not met anyone who is normal. And uh, so, and I don't like the word ordinary. I don't believe God knows what that means. The word ordinary, you know, it, it's, it's like, uh, it's, I like to joke that God, when someone says that's impossible, I, 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 I can see God going impossible. What, what's that <laughs> word? I don't understand that word, <laughs> but, but the idea is if we need to start thinking about what he says about us and, and what he says about himself and what he says about us and stepping into that. And I believe people are going, you're going to see micro churches and, and medium-sized churches and, and, and marketplace ministries and, and all of these incredible kingdom innovations that have never existed before. No one's ever done before because someone said, I believe what God says about himself and what he says about me. Amen. And that is, I, I just, if, if I can say one word of encouragement to the people that are listening, it's go for it. He's worth it. Go for it. He's worth it. And, uh, and there's, there's thousands of people all over the world right now that didn't know Jesus just a short time ago that are stepping into kingdom dreams that they never would have imagined. I've reconciliations and, and relationships being restored and, and brokenness that is being healed and identities that have been one way and then all, and shifted to another and, or ones that have come to a place where they go, I'm, I'm broken, but I'm going to serve Jesus and, and I'm going to surrender my brokenness to him and, and operate from that place of, of his grace is sufficient. And, oh my gosh, do you realize how attractive that would be to the world? A wow. bunch of broken people that God is using in ways that they could not ever ask for or imagine. That's, that's, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, whew, I have to, 
pause there on that one. (laughs) Steven, oh my goodness. Thank you so much just for your message Mm. and just speaking freely and just being so transparent. Um, And just like, I love what you said about, you know, we're interested in the destination and God is, he's about the journey. He's he's about that journey. And it's so true. Um, I think, you know, everything that was meant to be said today just came flowing through you. (laughs) And I know that somebody who is listening to this is encouraged. Um, Mm, I I feel that. I feel that because um, you encouraged me just by listening to your story and just hearing you talk about um, just how change is can come, positive change can come from when we really tap into who we are in Christ and yes. we really live a life full of grace mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. giving other people grace, giving ourselves grace, um, mm-hmm. not trying to come from a, a point of just perfection or mm-hmm. it's just we're here, like you said, to make our mess into messages. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. God turns around and he gets the glory because yes. Yes. Um, we are, <laughs> we're getting that power from him. Yes. So, um, yes. And with that, and with, yeah. with that power, pa- with that power, there's, we have a little statement that we use in our church. And that is because of Jesus, I have nothing to prove, nothing to hide and nothing to fear. Wow. Do you realize how countercultural that is? I have nothing to prove. I don't what my social media, whatever filter, what I, I have, I don't, Jesus says, ah, don't need it. I yeah. have nothing to hide. Eat my brokenness, all the, the gunk in my life that Jesus has, thank God redeemed and, and that he has restored, but I have nothing to hide from him. I have nothing to hide from people and I have nothing to fear because he Amen. goes before me. And so if we can live our lives with those three nothings, nothing to prove, nothing to hide, nothing to fear because of Jesus. Oh my gosh, look out, Satan. It's, yes. it's, it's going to get messy for yes. him. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Stephen, please tell our listeners how they can um, find you, where your church, um, maybe more information. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's real simple. It's castmemberchurch.com castmemberchurch.com. And if you, if they want to drop me an email, they can, uh, there's a, uh, a meet our team a page on cast member church. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. So, um, but, uh, nice. um, but yeah, I, I, I love to hear from people. I love to, I love to encourage, and uh, I'm a, I'm a big believer in people's God-given dreams. I'm a big believer in that, and I want to see people thrive. And um, so, yeah, it's always nice to hear from people and uh, and see what God's doing around the world. Yes, we want to hear from you. Make sure you provide feedback if this encouraged you today or added value just to your day. Um, please be sure to put um, a review. Um, also be sure to share this with someone that you love who you you know maybe they have a dream sitting on their heart and Mm -hmm. they need that extra encouragement (laughs) that's right but uh just know that that's what this is all about it's about community it's about encouraging each other um because you know this life is hard and you know we are when we're one person we can get a little bit done but when we come (laughs) together it's it's immeasurable what God can yeah. do. And so, yeah. um, Stephen, you were a vessel. You are a vessel. I'll be praying for your ministry mm. um, and your yeah. your transition into Paris. And, oh, and that's Denver. right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's a whole other journey. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who don't know, um, his ministry in Paris um, at the Disney World there is taking off. Mm. And so he's going to be in January moving, well, basically going there 10 days out of every month. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we definitely want to, um, cover him in prayer today and absolutely also, be- um, all of our listeners. So if you're okay, I would like to, um, send us off in, in prayer. Um, I would love that. I welcome it and <laughs> receive it. <laughs> awesome. All right. Um, and dear heavenly father, I just thank you so much for, uh, today, Lord. I thank you so much for Stephen's um, just his story. And I thank you for giving him that story and giving him a voice. Lord, I just pray that you um, 
cover him in all that he's doing. Protect him, Lord, and his family. Give them strength as they come through yet another transition. Um, but Lord, give him the grace that he needs to get through it and to lead people. And I pray that you be with his wife as well, um, Lord, as they come together as one and they want to be used of you. I pray that you um, just be with anyone that was listening to this podcast today, Lord, um, work on their hearts and whatever it is that they have um, that you are working through them. I pray that you um, help them to act on it. Like um, Stephen had said, take one step of action and I thank you so much for his testimony, Lord. Um, we love you, Lord, and we can't do anything that we're doing, Lord, without your presence. And thank you for meeting with us today, Lord. We love you. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 Yeah. Aisha, you are just a delight. You are a delight. <laughs> and and your your listeners are very blessed to um uh to just have your encouragement. I, you know, knowing you personally has just been um you just have when you when when you encourage people, I just want to encourage you and, and speak probably on behalf of all of your listeners. And that is thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. And the steps that you have taken uh, have been uh, quite a journey. And I, I know the Lord is, is he's so proud of you. And so as, as just someone who knows you a little bit, thank you for living into your purpose. Oh my goodness, Stephen. Thank you so much. Um, everybody, we are signing off and be sure to reach out. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. If this was valuable to you, please be sure to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button so that you are notified when the next episode launches. And also be sure to share this with someone you love. If you are looking for more resources on how to stay encouraged, please click the link in the description and I'll be happy to serve you. I'm looking forward to the next time. Stay encouraged.